Let me welcome Professor Simone Honikman to talk about perinatal mental health and also National Fertility Week. Good morning to you. Thank you so much for your time today, Prof. Good morning, Kathy. It's an honor to be here and to be with you and your listeners today. Uh, it's an important week to be marking National uh, Fertility Week. And I suppose, you know, one of the opportunities here is really just to raise awareness about um, fertility and just where we are as a country. What are some of the challenges that we face when it comes uh, to, facil- to, to, to fertility? So perhaps that's a good place for us to, to kick it off, Prof. Um, great, yeah. I mean, my, my focus and area of expertise is is about the mental health of women um, mm-hmm. in their reproductive parts of their lives. So um, we were involved at the Perinatal Mental Health Project in looking at developing systems for women who are pregnant or in that first year after the birth of their, of their baby and looking at their mental well-being, looking at how to support them to be um, as well as they possibly can as women, as mothers, and addressing this really, really high prevalence, this high, this high um, uh, levels of, of depression and anxiety that we've seen, especially um, among South African women or women who are living in, in difficult circumstances. Mm. When when we talk about perinatal health, um, what what does that include, Prof? So um, perinatal is a is not peri peri. <laughs> it's the term that refers to a period um, of time. It refers to um, in 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 my area of of work, perinatal refers to that entire period of pregnancy and that first year, the first twelve months after the baby is. Born. Um, so, um, and when you're looking at at health, you're looking both at physical health and at mental health or psychosocial health. Um, so, I think it's very important for for people who are um, who are thinking of becoming pregnant or becoming parents, or, or people who are in the perinatal period, either women or their partners. And also the, the systems that support these people, the communities, the um, faith-based organizations, the health service, the social development service, to, to look at health holistically. So we're not just looking at physical health and survival and preventing disease and death, which of course are, are very, very important, um, are very important parts of, of health. Um, but they tend to be focused on um, to to the detriment of mental health. So we need to really appreciate that in the perinatal period, there is no health without mental health. Um, and and mental health challenges at this time can be can be quite um, can be quite difficult. Can be quite marked. Um, it's a time. It's a period where people are more vulnerable to experiencing um, mental health challenges, Mm. to actually experiencing psychological distress or even mental health conditions. And that's why we can't just focus on the physical. We have to look at health where we look both at the physical but also at the mental, psychological and social wellness uh, of, of women. 
You're talking about a period where uh, generally women's bodies are going through uh, many, many changes. And, you know, that also would have an, an, an implication on how they feel on, on the day to day. But the issue of how this then affects women's mental health, how do we make that distinction? Because often it's easy for people to blame hormones for, for everything, you know, that, no, you're just fine. Exactly. It's just your hormones. It's just part of, exactly. uh, of being pregnant. You'll be okay. Yeah, exactly. And I think, again, that's part of the, the previous the problem that I was, I was raising is that there is, there's, a, there's a focus on the physical without um, fully understanding that, of course, there are physical changes at this time. But in fact, there are also um, changes to family dynamics, to, to what's happening at work, to, to the, the financial strains that are placed on, on families or individuals. Um, to do with um, using health services, to do with thinking about childcare, to do with losing um, income. Um, so, in fact, this is a time where there are all sorts of um, shifts that occur, not only physically, but in the, in the woman's um, environment. Sometimes relationships are under strain, they break down, there are tensions about um, who's going to look after the baby, who's the parent, who's, who's the father, who's responsible, where, where's the woman going to stay. Um, often we know that women who experience violence in the home, um, whether it's um, at the hands of a partner or, or other um, members of the household, that this violence often escalates because of the, the, the added strain and stress in this perinatal period. And all of that contributes um, very strongly towards um, psychological distress um, for women at this time. So, sure, there are physical changes, and, and women who have physical health problems in pregnancy, um, you know, maybe they um, are needing to take medication for diabetes or HIV, or they're unwell physically in some respect. Of course, that too adds to the mental health strain. But it's not just about the physical. It's often about what's happening in the context of a person's life that, that, that makes a, a pregnant or postnatal woman um, uh, need, uh, need extra support to, to support her well-being. What, what are the things that we should be looking out for um, that, that are distinct features of mental health uh, problems, uh, you know, this is within this this period. So, what kind of behavior is, can we look at and say this is actually deviating from what would be considered normal under the circumstances? Okay, that's a brilliant question. I mean, it's and, it, and it's, it's quite a complex answer. So, so all human beings go through distress at some point in our lives. That's what makes us human. We have times when we feel low. We have times when we feel anxious. We have times where we feel... We have many of these common symptoms of depression, anxiety. All of us will at some time have low self-esteem. We'll struggle with relationships. We'll struggle to cope. That's a normal, that's a normal part of the human condition. Um, and, 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 and those symptoms or, or features um, can exist on a continuum of severity. So some people have, have, um, have them more mildly than others or, or less frequently than others. Um, and when, we, when we're talking about a mental health condition or a disorder, 
such as depression and anxiety, which are the common mental disorders. We are looking at somebody who has those symptoms, um, the, the, the symptoms that affect the, the mood, the symptoms that affect the thinking, the symptoms that, that affect functioning for, for several weeks and for most of the time. And, and if it's impacting how somebody is able to function in their work or at school or in their relationships or with their community or in the home, if it's impacting functioning, then we may be concerned that this is actually more than distress. It's actually a mental health condition um, that requires some kind of, of help and support and treatment. So I think it's quite important to distinguish between distress and disorder um, and realize that people who are experiencing distress can go on. Um, if, if they're not provided with support and care, um, to, 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 they maybe go on to, to developing a disorder. But not all people do. So, um, so a lot of it is about how many symptoms, for how long, and whether it's affecting functioning. Mm. So, so, and I think in the perinatal period, um, we would look particularly um, for features um, in women if we're looking at depression and anxiety of a woman who may be struggling to breastfeed, um, maybe a woman who is finding it difficult to connect emotionally with her infant, um, a woman who is, is struggling to sleep even when um, the baby's asleep and even when it's, it's, it's possible to sleep. Um, so those are, would be the particular kind of features that one would look at um, in, in, in women um, in the perinatal period. But in fact, depression and anxiety in the perinatal period, one would make the diagnosis in the same way as one would at any other time for any other person. Mm. So, so it's the same criteria, it's the same way of making the diagnosis um, as you would say for an 85-year-old man. Um, it's just, you wouldn't require the same number of symptoms for the same duration of time. Um, it's just that women at this time are at higher risk and they may have features that relate to the pregnancy and the, and the relationship with the, the infant. Given the fact that there is still quite a, a lot of stigma attached to to mental health just more broadly Uh, Mm. so whether we're talking about mental health challenges or just mental wellness you know it seems to just create a a bit of awkwardness in the room Um, and 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 that makes it difficult for for people to to speak out especially um, I imagine that uh, somebody who is pregnant and and again the way that society has looked on these matters and what what has been said before is a great influence right because um often women don't want to feel like they're a burden um talking about what it is that they're feeling what it is that they're going through so so what is the advice that that you have for women who are in that position who who feel that maybe um, I'm, I'm not as okay as I should be, um, mm-hmm. but but I'm struggling maybe to speak about it because uh, I don't want it to seem like I'm being overly dramatic, you know, because mm-hmm. that, that's mm-hmm. when you hear the stories of, no, we've been here before, we struggled through this, so I went through that, mm-hmm. and you exactly. know, <laughs> and you'll be fine. Mm-hmm. But it, it's yeah. much bigger than that. 
absolutely. I mean, I think that stigma is pervasive. Um, it's, um, I, I think it's getting better. I mean, I've been in the field for 20 years now. And um, it's really, really exciting to see people talking about mental health issues and their own mental health issues and normalizing it, normalizing it in, in that so, in understanding that so many of us will go through life and experience a mental health problem. Uh, you know, in South Africa, um, at least one in five people, probably more, will will have a mental health condition at some point in their life, just like you would have a physical health condition. So we need to kind of re re um, orientate how we are are thinking about mental health. Put it on the spectrum with other health conditions. You know, one wouldn't be embarrassed or ashamed to to say, "I need help with my asthma or my eczema or my sugar diabetes." Um, just in the same way, one can have uh, mental health conditions. One can get better. There are a whole range of treatments and and approaches and and management um, strategies to to make people feel better. Generally, people do get better. People recover from mental health conditions. They can recur. They can come again at some point. Um, But the better one is equipped to understand them, to understand when one might be deteriorating and getting into a point where things are not going so well and, and quickly get the support you need so that you don't go into that dark place, the more effective um, one, one, one's recovery will be and the, and the longer, more long-lasting it will be. So, so there will always be people who will say, um, you know, you're not the first person to have a, a child, get over it, be a good mother, do your job. Of course, there will be people who, who kind of carry very harmful, stigmatizing attitudes that keep keep the keep women in silence when they're suffering. Um, but but it, it requires and it requires a kind of courage and, and it requires bravery to come forward to one's health provider, to one's family, to one's loved ones and say, you know, things are not right and I need support. Um, and 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 also to realise that if you don't get that if you don't get an appropriate response the first time, you may well have somebody who says to you, pull up your socks, this is nonsense, you lazy, you whatever, um, get over it, I had it, I've had three children and I'm fine, blah, blah, blah. You will always get those people. Um, quite often those people are not telling the truth. But one can always then move on to, to, to look at, at an, an alternative source of support. So... Unfortunately, your first port of call might not be the best, the best and most appropriate. Mm. Um, but but we we would really want to encourage people to to keep trying, to keep finding the right fit for you. If you're All suffering, right. and your partner's not hearing you, or your doctor, or your nurse, or your social worker, or your priest, or your best friend, go to the next person. Try try and find somebody to link in, All and right. that's part of the healing journey. We'll continue the the conversation with Professor Honikman in a moment. It's eleven thirty. Conversations that you connect with and react to. SAFM. Our focus for our health feature today is perinatal health, and uh, we're really discussing the depression, the anxiety that women go through when they're pregnant and post uh, being able to to give birth and how it is that uh, they can be better supported. If you've had an experience with it, um, please get in touch with us. 
and perhaps share just what were some of the tools that you were able to use that uh, would that that you found to help you. Uh, Professor Simone will also take your questions, uh, especially if you need help in this regard. The number to dial zero double one seven one four. 2006 that's our studio line and of course you can also send a whatsapp message or voice note on 0614104107 professor simone perhaps you know the issue of having the tools to be able um, to work through depression to work through uh, anxiety that's really important how do you uh, support and, and and help such women so at our project, we we offer we offer offer a, a, a model service at one of the midwife units in, in Cape Town um, that's run by the public service. Um, and what we're doing is we we um, provide sort of firstly we provide a kind of health promotion and education process with all women in a waiting room, and thereafter we conduct mental health screening. Um, for for women to assess what their symptoms are. And if they screen positive, then we do another level of assessment to, to kind of find out what's going on. And based on that assessment where we, we explore a little bit about their social and, uh, um, and, and uh, contextual background, we then chat with women and explain to them what we think might be happening with them with respect to their mental health and offer them uh, the option, if if they need it, if we think they need it, of attending counselling with one of our counsellors on site. Um, and we, we, there is a lot of evidence to show that um, supportive counselling and, and some of the psychotherapeutic approaches um, like cognitive behavioural therapy or interpersonal therapy or some of the other talking therapies, as we call them, can be very, very effective for women with mild to moderate depression or anxiety. And um, sometimes it doesn't have to be many, many sessions. It can be a few sessions with some follow-up. And women tend to, to develop um, a better self-esteem, better coping skills. They, they have a chance to tell their story, to feel validated and heard. Um, they um, learn different ways and different uh, approaches to problem solving, and they often get better in that way. But there are a group of women who have a more severe um, experience with the illness, um, with their mental health problems, and those women often do really well on antidepressant medication. Um, and, and it's increasingly been shown to be safe for women to take especially certain types of antidepressants during breastfeeding and pregnancy. Um, and, that, and that can be highly effective for women with more moderate to severe symptoms um, and can really help women get better and, in fact, can prevent, um, can lower the chance of, of women experiencing uh, mental health problems in, in, in pregnancies in future. We also think yeah. we also think that in addition to these um, mental health interventions, that there need to be social interventions put in place. So, um, because it, mental health conditions are, are often linked to what's happening socially, so we need to look at who's supporting the woman. How are they supporting the woman? How can the woman be linked in with other with other women? How can she be connected in? 
to to peer support groups, um, to relationships that are healthy and sustaining for her. Um, and that often is, is critical because people become lonely when they have mental health problems. They mm-hmm. isolate themselves. And loneliness is really, really bad for mental well-being. So we look. We need to look at ways to support women being connected to other people in healthy ways, to to, to their having enjoyment and pleasure, and looking for for places where they can can um, self care and um, and have pleasure in 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 life. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's going to church or being involved in community work um, or connecting with other people. Um, and then we also need to look at poverty alleviation and, and addressing violence in the home. Because if, if women are hungry or if there's violence in the home, it's really, really hard for them to to, to kind of um, get better from their mental health issues. And those are often what are causing the mental health um, challenges in the first place. You're bringing me to, to my next question because I, I wanted to know, just more broadly, and I ask this understanding that, you know, everybody has uh, their own individual story. But if we're speaking more generally, are there common triggers for the depression or even the anxiety that that you come across in, in your line of work? Uh, when you mean trigger, do you mean a risk factor or do you mean no, like... So, uh, so, so basically situations that yeah. would precede the depression or that would lead even to the depression. Okay. So if somebody has a past history of mental health problems, um, they are more likely to experience mental health issues during this time, this perinatal time. If a woman during the last year has been exposed to any kind of major life event. So maybe a bereavement, maybe a loss, maybe somebody in the household has lost a job, maybe there's been maybe they've had to move home. Um, maybe uh, there's been some kind of a trauma, any kind of a trauma. Maybe there's been violence in the community, um, maybe there's been a fire and and particularly violence in the home and and oppression in the home. Um, those those are very powerful um, triggers or, or causative um, factors in terms of of distress, um, either post traumatic stress disorder or or depression or anxiety. Um, if there is um, something physically wrong with the woman during the pregnancy, or if the, ba- if the baby has issues, um, those can also um, make a woman more vulnerable. Of course, a woman who's had a previous pregnancy loss of any kind or where an infant has died or a child has died, um, quite often that, um, that strain and that stress can, be, can resurface in the next pregnancy. Or, um, so, so that can also be a factor to consider. Thank you for that, uh, Professor Honnickman. We're talking about perinatal health, uh, depression, anxiety that women go through, uh, particularly during the time where they are pregnant uh, or even after they have given birth. One of the things that is spoken about a lot more often now uh, than than before is postnatal depression, uh, Prof. Yes, so so postnatal depression, um, yeah, as you say, it's being spoken about, it's being acknowledged, it's now 
it's now part of what we discuss. It's in magazines, it's in the papers, it's on the radio. And that's great, but we need to appreciate that quite often postnatal depression is there for us to pick up during pregnancy. So for, for most women, there are signs of depression or, or um, early stages of, 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 of psychological distress during pregnancy. So it, it, it seldom occurs that a woman experiences depression for the first time when the baby is when the baby has been born, and we need to use that that opportunity. And, and this is where our focus is in our project, the perinatal mental health project, is to to try and prevent the onset of postnatal depression, or uh, by by picking up early any symptoms or picking up risk factors. Um, so that women can be supported as early as possible during the pregnancy with social support and mental health support so that we can try and prevent or, or make the course of postnatal depression much, much milder. So depression is not just postnatal depression. It's there antenatally or prenatally quite often. And it's also, we tend to over-focus on depression when, when in fact a lot of women have symptoms of anxiety rather. It's, you know, it's, it's probably equally common. Um, in certain communities. Um, we did a study in Hanover Park where we offer our service and there, were equal, uh, there was an equal proportion of women who were experiencing an anxiety disorder as they were who were experiencing depression. Um, and often the two overlap. So often a woman can have more than one mental health um, condition like a substance use problem plus anxiety plus depression um, and we see that quite often too. Mm. And, so, and, and what do you find that women are most anxious about? I know it, it, there's probably a lot given just the, the period of time it is in their lives, mm-hmm. but if you're looking at some of the more prevalent factors. Well, you see, I mean, of course, it's it's, it's normal for women to have concerns around pregnancy. Is my baby going to be fine? Am I going to be fine? Are we going to manage? What's going to happen in the household? Those are normal concerns. But um, when one has an anxiety disorder, one's anxiety is out of proportion quite often to to the reality. So, for instance, one of the common anxiety disorders is called generalized anxiety disorder, where a person has anxiety about all sorts of things. Um, it's not necessarily related to any one particular uh, threat. Um, so, so if one so if one is exposed in a in a in a context where there's say lots of community level gang violence, maybe there's a lot of um, conflict or, or violence in the home. This kind of raises one's kind of um, in, um, response, one's kind of fight or flight response, and can raise the 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 chances of somebody experiencing kind of some form of anxiety response, generalized sort of worry um, that that permeate that that sort of permeate your sort of most of your everyday experience. So it's not necessarily about one particular concern, like I am worried about X, Y, and Z. It's often a general feeling of agitation and worry and apprehension. Um, there are specific concerns that some women have. For instance, some, there is a condition where women can be um, excessively anxious about labor, going into labor, 
and that is a particular phobia. So one can have particular phobias or one can have um, the fear of going into social circumstances um, and, and connecting in, in, um, in the community, and that's another particular form of, of anxiety disorder. Um, so, you know, it can be generalized or it can be specific. All right. Th- thanks for that, Professor Honigman. I've got a WhatsApp voice note a question for you, so I'll just uh, queue it up and then you can respond after. Sure. Good afternoon, SFM, and to listeners. It's Selvan Gamde from Durban, and to honourable guests. Just like to ask the guest, uh, with regard to mental issues, does uh, hormonal levels in males or females affect? And how does one uh, example females or males test their estrogen levels or testosterone levels? Does it affect mental issues? Thank you. Prof? Hi, thanks for that question. Um, I'm so glad that your listener um, brought up the issue of men and their mental health conditions around this time. Yes, um, hormone hormone changes um, in pregnancy and and especially um, after the birth can affect one's um, mental health status. Um, And in fact, um, it's been shown that men or the partners of women who are pregnant or have had a baby um, can also go through hormonal changes, um, sometimes that, that mirror that of their partners, and those can affect um, one's mental health status. Some of those hormonal changes can be protective, and some of those changes can actually make um, both men and women more, more prone to experiencing mental health um, issues. I don't, I don't know the details about... Um, which which hormones will cause which which changes? Because in our experience, it's actually more a factor related to to, to social economic circumstances than it is to hormonal circumstances. But um, hormones can can definitely play a role. I hope that answered that question. Yes. I think I think the other issue is that men are. And men can experience mental yeah, can experience depression and anxiety this time as well. It seems to be less common than than women at this time, but often it's uh, related. So there's a study that's that's showing that um, the mental health of fathers can impact the mental well-being of mothers and vice versa. So quite often, especially if if there are two parents living together, um, their mental well-being can have impact on each other um, and, of course, can impact the outcome for, for the infant as mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. So it's not just the mental well-being of the mom that can impact the, the child's development, but also the mental well-being of, of the father or any other caregiver of the infant in the home. We're talking about, again, a, a period where women need access to to so many different types of, of, of services. A- and often that, that question of access is very difficult. How yeah. accessible is support that goes beyond the physical that then deals with things like um, one's mental health? Yeah, well, that's the whole purpose and the whole mission mm. of our project is to, um, unfortunately, 
services, we still have a huge lack of mental health services for for these very, very common conditions in our country, and that's the purpose of our project. We really are pushing at many, many levels to make access um, access completely open and available to every single pregnant woman, and that's our mission. And not only should a pregnant woman be able to get physical health care, which they can, free of charge, as we all know in this country, but they should, and it's their, it's their constitutional right, because health is not just about physical health, but it's their right to have access to, to quality and evidence-based mental health care at the same point, if possible, at the same location as where they're receiving physical health care. Mm. Because we know it's difficult to go from one place to another. You know, you've got, you've got taxi fare, you've got child care, you've got your, your work you've got to get back to. So, our, so unfortunately, we don't have the personnel at maternity centers who are providing regular mental health care. Occasionally, a mental health, uh, occasionally, a maternity unit or service may have access to a social worker or a mental health nurse, but not in the kind of dedicated way that we, we are advocating for. We think that the, the prevalence is so high in our country that every single maternity unit should have a dedicated mental health person, at least one dedicated mental person with mental health training who can provide on-site counseling, support, and potentially referral to higher levels of care if necessary, and referral to, to social support services in the community. And, and currently, we don't have that. But there have been huge strides made with respect to policy change. We've got a new maternity care policy that was that was put out in March this year. And we're busy writing the guidelines to flow from that policy. And the policy is now putting mental health right square in the center of, of the health care for, for women in, in pregnancy and postpartum. So now we're going to need to put meat on those bones and, and make the guidelines speak to the policy. And, and really, we, we also are calling for, for financial investment. We need to make sure that there's adequate um, financial resources so that we can, we can put these cadres of, of health worker um, on-site in the maternity units. They don't have to be psychologists or psychiatrists. We know that well-trained, well-supervised um, nurses, basic counselors, and sometimes even community health workers can provide psychosocial support that can, that can really help women at this time. It, it, it sounds to me that um, it, it also requires close attention from family, friends and loved ones of, yeah. of, of women who are pregnant to be able to, uh, you know, pick up when when something is, is not the way that, that it should be or uh, to note some of these, especially um, big, big changes that one might be going through that they're not fully aware of themselves. Absolutely. I mean, I think we need to reorientate um, our society into looking at pregnant women and women who are mothers of babies um, in terms of their own well-being and not just to come and say, well, how's the baby going and how's the baby developing, but to focus also on the person who's responsible for that baby. Um, So 
asking asking the woman how she is in herself is can be very very helpful in a kind possibly confidential open way and allowing women the space giving women the the psychological space to to really feel free to kind of talk about how how she's coping and how what she's feeling um can be a very powerful thing that people can do who are close to women in, in families and in communities. Mm. Um, noticing how she's noticing how she's coping, also asking um, what can be what can be done to support her. How how asking her what she needs and and offering practical support. Sometimes it's just the practical stuff as well. You know, meals, a bit of childcare, the opportunity to 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 rest. Um, all of that stuff can be very powerful and can indicate to the woman that she, in her own right, is 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 cherished and and is important. Um, and and yeah, so there's a, there's a role for family and friends and, and community in that regard. Pro- Professor sure. Honikman, I want to give you an opportunity just to. Um, send out contact details where people may be able uh, to reach out, especially um, with the project that that you work with that deals with matters of perinatal mental health. Um, when you say reach out, uh, for, for what are you? What are so, you? So I'm saying to? that um, I'm saying that uh, the center where you do work, where yeah. women who might want help to or access to some of the services, where they can reach out to. So our service, unfortunately, is only operating at one site, and we are only able, we only have the staff to provide services to women mm. at our midwife unit. So only the women who have registered um, or booked at the midwife unit where we offer services at Hanover Park in Cape Town. But we do have a website um, where there are a whole lot of resources um, for health providers, for for women and their families, where there's a lot of information and a lot of um, helplines and things where where people can learn more about mental maternal mental health conditions and 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 think about ways that they can support themselves or support others. So I can I can certainly recommend that people have a look at our the resources on our website. Um, we have a, a, a tab on under resources for parents and families, and our website is www dot p m h p dot z a dot org. That's www dot p m h p for perinatal mental health project dot z a dot org. Um, and there are many helplines available for people who who need to have an opportunity. And and I really encourage use of these helplines. Um, I think I've sent them to one of your colleagues, and that's going to be put on your social media as well. But SADAG is a great organization that mm. that offers many, many helplines. There's a suicide helpline, there's a general helpline, um, and um, I think many of those are 24 hours, and people can phone in and get counseling or referrals for support, and that's the South African Depression and Anxiety Group, SADAG.org. Um, there, there are Monday to Sunday call centers that are open, the toll-free numbers there. Lifeline is a great resource as well. So the SADAC um, toll-free number is 0800-567-567. 
Um, they're an excellent resource. And there are other Tofrila numbers um, as well that SADAC offer. That's their general one. And then um, um, there are other organizations that I think your colleague will be posting on socials. All right. Thank you so much for coming on to the show and being part of this conversation. Uh, Professor Simone, Simone, Simone uh, Honikman, she's the director at the Perinatal Mental Health Project. And just uh, that website again, it's pnhp.za.org. That's pnhp. Um, .za.org and you also heard her reading out the number uh, for SADC and it's toll-free lines where uh, you can call them and, and get in touch if you're not feeling okay, if you feel like you need somebody to talk to, a counsellor perhaps, uh, just to have that ear, and that shoulder uh, to be able to, to cry on, especially during difficult moments. So um, SADC is, is always a good line to be able to get in touch with, especially during difficult times. So that's where we leave it then uh, with that particular conversation for today.